Christy. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited. I'm glad we're able to do this. I know. Finally. How are you doing today? I'm good. You know, just the hustle of everyday mom life and (laughs) diabetes life. But yeah, I feel like I've lived a full day and it's only noon. So yeah, I feel that. (laughs) Where are you based? Um, I'm in Orange County. Oh, okay. Is that where you're from? California. Yeah, I've lived here my whole life, except for college. I went to Arizona for a little bit, but okay, yeah, I've been in California my whole life. What part of Orange County? Like, I'm inland. I'm probably like 30 minutes from the beach. Um, okay. I don't really know how to describe it, but yeah, so it's it's beautiful here. I'm like, is that considered inland? Only 30 <laughs> minutes from the beach? <laughs> I know. People tell me. I'm like, no, it's a 30-minute drive to the beach. It's far, but... <laughs> I'm like, I'm in Denver. So I'm like, there's no beach anywhere close to me. So (laughs) not at all. I know like 30 minutes. That sounds great. (laughs) You have the mountains and the snow. Yeah, that's true. It's just different, different, but totally. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about your diagnosis story. Oh man, I have quite the story. So I was, let's see, it was the year COVID hit and um, January of that year, I got super, super sick. Um, high fever, really short of breath. Basically looking back, it seemed like it was COVID before COVID happened. Um, But anyway, I was super sick for like a month and I just couldn't shake it. And then COVID hits, you know, I'm working out, but my husband and I are baking, making drinks, but I'm losing a lot of weight. I lost like 10 pounds. Um, I'm 5'7", so 10 pounds is kind of a lot. But I'm like, oh, you know, I'm working out, whatever. Um, But I started to throw up a couple times. I was eating and I would throw up. And then I felt like really hungry all the time or the complete opposite. Like I would eat and I could not get full. Um, Or the really, I would eat and I would feel full like instantly. It was really weird. So that kind of made me think, hmm, maybe I should get blood work done. Do I have a stomach ulcer? <laughs> like, what's going on? So I got my blood work done, fasting, of course. And my blood glucose wasn't horrible. Like you hear some people's stories, you know, and they're like 400, 500, but mine was like 230 fasting. So anyway, I remember it was a Friday. I was getting my hair done and the gastroenterologist calls me and go, you know, hey, got your blood work. Your fasting glucose was 230. Were you fasting? Because if you were, you have type one diabetes. So give me a call back. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm getting my hair done. What do I do? So I think I called him back and, you know, were you fasting? Yes, I was. He's like, this is weird. You have type one diabetes. And I said, what do you mean? I have type one diabetes. Or I think he said you have diabetes. Maybe he thought type two, you know, like a lot of diagnosis stories. And I said, this is so weird. I'm so healthy. You know, no one in my family really has diabetes. Like what's going on? And, you know, he's like, that is, it is weird. Okay, great. So, and that happened. I called my primary care doctor. He was kind of like a family friend and he scared the crap out of me and told me I needed to go to the hospital immediately and I could die overnight. And this was COVID. So I'm terrified. My husband's outside. I didn't know what to do. They ran all these tests, you know, x-rays, ultrasounds. um, And the doctor in the ER was like, oh, you probably have type two, you know, it can be reversed and whatever. You know, I left the hospital at four in the morning, (laughs) drove and got a glucose monitor the next day. And I just 
didn't know what to do. And it was horrible. Like I remember calling endocrinologist and I couldn't be seen for three months, two months, like there was no availability. And I'm thinking, I need insulin. What am I supposed to do? So that was kind of my <laughs> diagnosis story. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how old were you at that point? I was 30. I, so this, I turned 30 in May and this was August of that same year. So Wow. Oh my goodness. That, that whole story is crazy actually. So was, from when you were like sick, when you felt sick, when you're throwing up, how longer was it till you went to the hospital? It was pretty right away. I don't remember the first time I threw up, but I remember we went to a small like COVID wedding in August. And I remember at the wedding I threw up um, and it's not like I was drinking I mean, I was, but it, I knew it wasn't from that. So I'd had like two drinks, but they had a pizza food truck. And so, you know, I'd had probably like a margarita with, you know, sugar. And then I had the pizza and probably just all that glucose was just way too much for me to handle. And I just remember feeling so sick or I remember like my husband and I would go to get dessert and we'd be driving home and I'd be in the car thinking, I cannot physically stay awake. I'm so exhausted. Like your eyes just felt really heavy. So I remember those few instances leading up, but yeah, that was really quick. Like two weeks after, I think. Right. So yeah. you, you never had like a virus before, like anything like that, that maybe caused it that you think? I think that sickness I had in the beginning of the year in January, I don't know if it was COVID. Um, I feel like it was COVID because the time I did get COVID, I hadn't had the vaccine yet and I was fine. Like I, I didn't feel great. You know, I was definitely run down and my husband had it and he was super sick, like went to the hospital, but I had like a, like a pretty nasty cold. So I'm feeling like I had antibodies or something. I don't know, but whatever that sickness was in January that kind of knocked me out for a month, I think that probably kickstarted it. I'm guessing. And then it was October when you were diagnosed. It was August. So it was eight months, seven months. Yeah. But May, by the time May rolled around, I had lost about 10 pounds. And I was like, oh, I'm working out, you know, this, this, and that. So that was end of January. I was six, maybe February, March, April, May, you know, three months could be. And then I remember too, we went to Zion with some friends, I think in July, um, but I remember that hike being so difficult, you know, like in the morning, I think I ate a banana and a muffin and all this stuff. And then I go on this hike, my blood sugar, I'm sure like 300, 400, who knows. Um, and I remember having just horrible cotton mouth on that trip, like so thirsty. Um, yeah, so those were things leading up to it, but I think the throwing up is what kind of le led me to go get blood work because I knew I knew something was wrong I think you might be the only person I know that has thrown up like everyone has like the classic symptoms you know but like you I think you're the only one that I know I mean I've heard stories of that before but anyone I've talked to so that's crazy I know I feel like you don't hear that and so I don't know what I don't know what happened I thought maybe like do I have a food allergy <laughs> I don't know I just thought it's COVID I'm stressed have I developed some stomach ulcer I didn't know what was going on I did not expect <laughs> type one diabetes. Did you know anything about type one diabetes when they told you that? Yeah. So I actually, the year, that year, um, I was a teacher and I'd had two students that had type one diabetes in my classroom. So I knew like a little, I know, I feel like that's totally such like a God moment, but 
I had two students in my class um, that had type one diabetes. So I knew a little, but not, not much. <laughs> that is interesting. I feel like that was planned by somebody up above. That's crazy. I know, I know it was crazy. So yeah, so I knew a little, but, and in my family, my cousin got type one diabetes at 35, 36, but my cousin has a long, long history with heavy drugs. And so we thought, well, maybe that was caused, but I also on diagnosis got the antibody testing and I had the antibodies. So who knows if I, who knows, maybe, you know, I feel like I was always destined to get type one. I don't know. <laughs> your, your story is very similar to mine though, also, because mm -hmm. I, I had COVID and then three months later I was diagnosed. So it's just interesting how that all works. <laughs> I know. Well, there's a lot of stories. I mean, there's an article I've read that <clears throat> people that had COVID then went on to develop type one diabetes, which is crazy. How are you with um, gluten? Like, do you have an issue with gluten at all? No, I don't have anything. I mean, I remember got <laughs> food sensitivity tests a long time ago, slight sesame allergy, whatever that means. So food has always been fine. Like I've had stomach issues sometimes, like TMI, like going to the bathroom and stuff like that, but nothing with food, like no other autoimmune disorder, luckily <laughs> for now. The the gene, like the antibody gene for mm -hmm. diabetes is the same as celiac. So if like you test positive for one, the chances yeah. are positive. I don't know. That's at least what my gastro said because I tested yeah. positive for celiac. And I was like, Lydia, I have type one. And she was like, oh yeah, they're the same antibody. And I was like, yeah. So well, there you go. <laughs> prone to both, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, so that's why I was curious about food, but. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no, I don't. So luckily, but probably saw some carb counting issues if I did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How do you manage your diabetes now? Um, I'm on an insulin pump, Omnipod 5. I've been on that pretty since diagnosis. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a year I was on MDI. I don't really quite remember. But yeah, I'm on Omnipod 5 now. So yeah. You like it? I do. I mean, <laughs> I just posted a whole rant on my Instagram, but um, I'm like pretty controlled because I'm pretty type A and like on top of things. So an Omnipod 5, I don't think Omnipod 5 is type A, you know, <laughs> the Omnipod 5 is very chill, especially mm -hmm. in auto mode. Um, so I'm curious what my A1C is, you know, compared to me manually managing it and now being on auto mode. Mm -hmm. oh, so like, yeah. you wish it'd work a little faster? Yeah, I just wish like the 110 range I think is good. I wish it was set like a little lower overnight or I don't know. I wish you could override it sometimes, you know, like, especially when your CGM is kind of catching up, I wish maybe you could like do a 10 minute override or something, knowing that it's kind of that lag, because I find that it's just very conservative system, you know, it will, it will delay my insulin and yeah, it catches a low, but it's way too conservative. And then I'll pop up to like 150 because I think it just was too much, too much of that pausing of my insulin. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I'm on pen. So I'm like, I I'm, I'm always taking in the pump information because I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. know how this works. Yeah. Okay. I love, I love not having to inject. I was, I'm very like, I need the precise, like rounding up really just kind of drove me nuts. I felt like I was always going low because it was either too much. Like I'm an over -bolister. 
So, or I would go high because it wasn't enough. So like that kind of just drove me crazy. Um, and I love, I love, I, I exercise a lot. So I loved being able to like manipulate my background insulin. I felt like on pens, my background insulin was just too heavy for when I was working out. So yeah, I don't know. I, I like the freedom of pens sometimes if there's less variables, you know, like that manipulating of the background insulin. And I feel like I'm always figuring out my basal rates, but, um, I like, I like also not having to inject, you know, if I'm going to have something that's three carbs, four carbs, whatever, I can give 0.4 units, you know, I like that part. So that is really nice. Cause yes, yeah, some things I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have to go a little high for this because a unit of insulin might be too much or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So I know. So yeah, I, I, I do like Omnipod five. I, I think I have a love hate relationship with automated mode. Um, being a new mom, I think I do love it, you know, to catch those lows, especially having lows with a baby, just they suck. <laughs> so having more conservative is nice, but you know, now that my husband and I are kind of talking about starting another family, I need to make sure my, you know, my A1C is where it should be before we get pregnant again. And I don't know, I hope it's not, (laughs) it's not too bad. It's not too affected. So so you had your son after you were diagnosed. I, yes, yes. So I had a type one pregnancy in that. I still have PTSD from it. I think I just, just that managing of blood sugars in such a tight range, such a tight control. I'm not looking forward to it again. I'm really not. Um, And I'm nervous because I kind of have let go of control a little bit because I was so well-managed even before my diagnosis. But then when I was pregnant, I was really, really strict, you know, going on walks, doing squats, taking insulin, 45 minute pre-boluses. Like it was just a lot. And I just don't, (laughs) I can do it again, but I don't want to do it again. You know, I've kind of let go of control. So I think I have to get back in that mindset of doing it again. And with a little one now, like trying to figure out his eating, you know, my pre-bolus timing, just gonna (laughs) put another hat in the mix, I guess. So yeah. What was the range the doctors told you to stay in during pregnancy? Mm, I don't remember the low, but I think it was under 140. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, but I've heard also stories of doctors just kind of spin whatever they want out. No. It's different for everybody, but under 140. Yeah, that's tough. I think it was on, yeah, it was. And I think I had set my alarms prior. I mean, I'm pretty well managed and a lot of the times I spike to 140 with whatever I eat, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, yeah, it's rough, <laughs> but the hardest trimester for you. Um, second for sure. Oh, really? First, okay. first was a ton of lows, a ton of lows. Um, and the bolusing with the nausea, that was tough to navigate. Um, but second trimester, the resistance was just horrible. It was really, really hard, like 45 minute pre-boluses, um, spiking to 200 with like eggs and a piece of toast. And it was like, my blood sugar would not come down. It just would not come down unless I would go for like an aggressive 45 minute walk with like a bunch of insulin on board. It was wild. And then third trimester, 
or like right before the trimester, it evened out and my insulin needs dipped a lot. So then of course I was like freaking out because I think they were saying that, um, is something with the baby and the placenta because it's not giving off so many hormones. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, my baby's dying. My insulin needs are dropping. So it just, it was so hard. It, it, it kind of took away from it for me. Um, and I don't want it to the second time around and hopefully it won't, you know, now I kind of know what to expect. So hopefully it will be a little bit better, but we'll have to see. <laughs> gosh, and I'm sure like when you would hit that 200 number, you were freaking out because they told you to stay under 140. Like mm-hmm. I would be freaking out. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was crazy too, because my blood sugar doesn't spike a ton to 200. Like I said, I'm type A, like I'm aware that I'm a control freak with my blood sugars. And so seeing that was just something I wasn't really used to. And then on top of it being pregnant, I just felt like responsible for this life. You know, I just didn't know. Um, I had a ton of people though, you know, reassure me that people had healthy babies back in the day when there were no CGMs, but of course, when you're in it, you're just freaking out and you want the best already for your baby. So it was hard. And, you know, Caleb was born perfectly fine. His blood sugars were perfectly fine at birth. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I'll feel. Maybe I'll feel fine, but I'm sure I'll worry knowing me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's natural. Mm-hmm. How old is your son now? He's 14 months. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. 14 months. So it's a fun age. You know, he's walking, he's fake laughing, <laughs> pointing at things, starting to speak in his language. So yeah, yeah that is a good age. It's like when they really get a personality. Oh yeah. It's so cute. It's so fun. So yeah. Do you have any fears around your son getting type one diabetes? All the time. All the time. <laughs> like I'll sit him down at dinner and he'll chug water and I I'll I'll check his blood sugar because I'm like oh my gosh he's so thirsty (laughs) and he's fine you know or like remember one time I checked it he's usually like 95 when I check it I remember one time I checked it and I think he was like 115 or 120 and I freaked out and I'm like wait no he just ate and he had pasta and so I but it's scary you know because I just I just you don't want anyone to have type one diabetes like no one I wouldn't wish it on anyone I wouldn't wish it on children especially like that is so hard and so it's always just a fear you know but I feel like I would be capable of course but sometimes I feel like I can't manage myself I wouldn't want to manage my child either but I just can't go there I guess did that have any impact on like your decision to have kids? Like, did you even, did you think about that before? I mean, like, do I want to have kids because of that risk? Yeah, I definitely did. I mean, I just was scared of like passing that on, but you know, my husband reminded me, I I'm always scared, you know, I'm like a type six scared of everything, but I, we just can't live in fear because you don't know what can happen. So of course I'm glad that I did like oh my gosh I can't imagine my life without him (laughs) yeah oh that's so sweet yeah because I've I know some people that have type one that now don't want to have kids because of it and it's so sad because it's like you should still be able to have kids but I also get the fear I also get the fear for sure totally I know and my husband and I talk about I think at two we can test him to see if he has antibodies and I kind of want to know just for peace of mind because I'm like, I'm always going to live every day. If he's chugging water, if he's doing this, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, diabetes, diabetes. So even if I know if he has the antibodies, like, yeah, maybe I'll still be waiting for the shoe to drop. 
but if I know he doesn't, then it's part of it's like, oh, I can let go and not worry about that anymore. But my husband doesn't want to, and I'm not like that crazy. I need to know. So I guess, you know, kind of just is what it is. So we'll yeah. see. Maybe we'll revisit one day. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be the best person to take care of them, you know, living with it yourself. So uh, I know, hopefully. So and my husband, you know, knows all the things too now. Yeah. So I know he's well taken yeah, care of. But for sure. Yeah, totally. I think that's a fear of every type one parent, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, I can't even imagine. But mm-hmm. and the good news, I guess, is you were diagnosed as an adult, which mm-hmm. it's less of a chance that your kid would get it, I believe, since you were over like a certain age. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was less of a chance if it's over 30, if you're a woman, mm-hmm. maybe there's some other factors, but I talked to my pediatrician about it and he said, well, no, he's still, cause I thought it was like the same chance as any kiddo getting it. And he said, no, my son is like a little bit higher risk. So I'm not sure, but I know. I thought the same as you. I thought like yeah. if you were a woman and you got a diagnosis older and you had kids older, it was less yeah. chance. Maybe that's what it is. My endocrinologist told me it was 4% chance for me. And I was diagnosed at 29. So similar, <laughs> similar mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 4%, well, that's great. That's a great number that, I, you know. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need to worry a little less now. <laughs> what would you say like now being a mom is like the hardest part of type 1 diabetes? Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, not managing it, I suppose. I feel like the pre-bolus time, you know, with being a new mom and that mom anxiety and all that stuff, I'll get kind of anxious when I've bolus and I'm trying to like plate everything, you know, I'll ask my husband like, okay, my bolus time, like gotta go. So that's kind of hard, you know, timing everything. And if Caleb needs something, but I got to take care of myself first, right? Because if I'm on the floor because I have low blood sugar, he can't be taken care of. So I think pre-bolusing and low blood sugars are just a bummer when you have a kid. You know, you just kind of have to lay there and lock yourself in the room with them and let them do what they're going to do until your blood sugar comes up. Are you working now too or no? No, I'm home. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine having to throw that into the mix as well. <laughs> Another thing, although I feel like my blood sugars were in such a good place working because it was, I ate at the same time, you know, I, so who knows, maybe they would be better, but that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. It's more of a schedule like a, yeah, totally. But one less thing to worry about is good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think like the diabetes world were, will look like in five to 10 years? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I get all of these emails, you know, about trials and I don't know, these pouches with insulin. And I, I really hope that there would be some type of cure and some, I don't know, some type of making it a little bit better. I mean, these automated systems I just started it. And sometimes I really do feel like I just kind of let the automated system do its thing sometimes, you know, with catching my lows and kind of correcting my highs a little bit. And so that in a way feels like a pancreas, right? Mm -hmm. You know, five years, (laughs) five years, probably same old, same old 10 years. I don't know. I hope when we're old and gray, we're like not taking insulin and not on pumps and who knows? I don't know. That's my hope, but I think it'd be really cool to, I don't know how they would do this, but somehow create a pump that's like in your body. 
So, mm-hmm. so you don't have to wear one on the outside, you know, but like mm-hmm. they somehow input it. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but that'd be cool if it was just automated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I read or I listened to some podcasts and it was like a pouch with insulin and they would insert it into your stomach or something and it would somehow release, but I don't think they've worked everything out yet. And I'm probably totally butchering <laughs> what it is, but that would be cool. I would get the surgery every 10 years. What do you, what do you need to do? Cut my stomach? Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think about people who've been living with type 1 diabetes for 30 years and 20 years. And I feel like I'm in the back of the line. You know what I mean? Um, help all those people, help the kiddos first. And then you can help me, <laughs> you know? I, I agree 100%. The kids, it, I don't even, I went to, I just went to a, the JDRF walk mm. yesterday and it's just like, I hate seeing the little kids walking around in their capes. So I like start to tear up every time. It's just, nobody should have to live with it at that age. No, it's or so, at all, at all, but especially at all. I know it's so hard. And diabetes is such a weird disease, right? Like we're not, I don't know. We're not walking around visibly looking like we have this autoimmune disorder but it's there every day every decision we make right from when we wake up from when we go work out from when we go on a walk from what we eat from just everything it's so hard so it's a really weird disease. I mean it's a it's a disability and unfortunately people don't see it that way because like you said they they look at us and we look normal so mm-hmm. they don't get it mm-hmm. but I I always tell people, you know, it's 10 times harder than you think it is. Like, so give me a little grace. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. And it's the times like I recently went out to Arizona for a friend's bachelor or baby shower. <laughs> We're past the bachelorette right now, but baby shower. And we had had like pasta and we got crumble cookies and cookies are like my pizza. I just <laughs> struggled to bowl this for. And, you know, I, I still eat it and I was like 250 all night and just slept bad because my alarms are going off and it's just frustrating when you're there with your best friends and you just want to have fun and your diabetes gets in the way and if I didn't say anything no one would know anything right but I know because I feel crappy I'm sleeping poorly so it's just those things that I don't know I wish I didn't have to deal with but no and I'm curious were you did you share a room with anybody on that trip yeah, I was with my best friend. So, and she's so cute. She like always tries to learn. Like, she's like, you don't need, you don't, you need insulin right now. Like she'll tell, you know, like you need sugar right now. So, but I think she was out. She's a mom too. So she was like, <laughs> okay, okay, good. Cause I was on a bachelorette party and the same thing happened. I had a share room with three other girls and my mm-hmm. Dexcom was going off. And I was like, I was so embarrassed. I felt bad, but it's also just like, why do I have to deal with this right now? I know. Right. And that's the thing, the alarms, like I'll just be, I don't know, in a class, my son and the alarm goes off and everyone's looking and I just, I get embarrassed, but I don't know why it's so silly, but I, I, I mean, I think it's because of the connotation around diabetes. Everyone has, you know, thinks it's from sugar. And so when mm-hmm. I tell people I have diabetes, it's like, I always have to explain myself. I feel like, and that's just always, it's very frustrating, but it's it's so frustrating yeah and explain it and I feel like people want to learn but it's so complex and I don't know how to really dumb it down so then I feel like people's eyes glaze over and then I feel stupid for trying to explain it yeah (laughs) what is uh one piece of advice you'd give to someone newly diagnosed hmm what would I say or maybe somebody that's looking to get pregnant too 
I know. Well, newly diagnosed, I would say that it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, and just reach out to the online diabetes community because that was one of the first things I did. You know, I found so many accounts and I just remember being like, these girls are normal and they're cute and they're working out. And like, I'm going to be okay. And so that it just, and people were so nice. Like so many people reached out and so many people would give me advice and so much more helpful than any endocrinologist I've ever had. So that would be my piece of advice. And if you were trying to get pregnant, I don't know, again, <laughs> find someone's Instagram, someone you can talk to um, and just pre-bolus. I think pre-bolus is the biggest thing that helped me <laughs> go for walks. That's great advice. Cause I wouldn't even, I like now I do 15 minute pre-bolses, but you got to do much longer. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I got up to like 45 minutes. Yeah. It was crazy. And I don't know how, like food gets cold. How could you know, like going out to restaurants, food doesn't take 45 minutes. I was yeah. going to say going out to eat would be such a challenge. It was so hard. My husband and I went to Palm Springs on our baby moon and it was horrible because my blood sugar was so high the whole time, like eating out, going to restaurants, not being able to pre-bolus, you know, don't know the carb count. So I was the high, like that whole weekend, it was <laughs> so stressful, not even relaxing, but yeah. Well, that's also good to know that your baby's healthy and you had those moments. Yeah. Yeah. He was so healthy. I mean, my blood sugar went to 200. I can't tell you how many times, but he was totally healthy, born with perfect blood sugar. And my blood sugar was managed during my delivery, which was so nice. I was apprehensive about doing that, but man, I'm like, I wish someone could manage my blood sugar all the time. <laughs> Seriously, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> it's so nice. Except for being woken up every hour to check my blood sugar. That was annoying. So I just wanted to sleep, especially once I had the epidural. But it's all right. You got to do what you got to do. And I got to do what you got to do. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here today. We yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Thank well, you. Good talking to you. Yes, you too. Yeah.